I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. This is the 22nd chapter. I give honor, uh, first of all, and for, first and foremost, to your pastor and first lady. Uh, what a wonderful church. Uh, I, when I left here a year ago, I was with the men. And, and men, it's not that I don't love you, but I, I left here very curious as to what it would be like to come back with everybody here. And I realize that it's a youth revival, and maybe not everyone is here, but we got we got enough of us to call it a church tonight. Amen. And I have never said this, but I went home and told my wife, I said, I've got to go back there. I said, I've, I've never invited myself anywhere, so I can't do that. But I, I just want, I want to go back there because I knew, I knew there just had to be something special about this place. And so I give honor to your pastor and uh, appreciate him allowing me to come to the youth staff and whoever had a say-so. And then um, Brother Hill and, and Sister Hill allowed me. They're, they're debating whether they want to have a fourth child, and so they thought if they let me stay with them this weekend, it would be the deciding factor. It's, it, took me, it took me ten minutes. I, I settled it. Amen. That's just a rumor. I love them. I love Brother Hill, and I appreciate that. Somebody said Amen. Genesis, the 22nd chapter, verse number 1, familiar portion of Scripture. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his asses, and took two of his young men with him. And Isaac his son enclaved the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up, and went unto the place of which God had told him. Amen? Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes, and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder, and worship, and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Oh, he's about to find out, isn't he? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together, and they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And you know the story. Abraham stretched forth his hand, took the knife to slay his son. Wow. Wow. Amen. angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son from me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I realize tonight is the first night. And uh, I'm supposed to win you over tonight. I'm supposed to woo you a little bit. But I was teaching our church Wednesday night. 
And it was one of those moments where they got to worship and I had a moment to take a drink and the Lord spoke to me and said, all revival must be birthed from an altar. All revival must be birthed from an altar. Amen. I want to preach to you tonight just for a little bit in your hearing. The process of a chosen generation. The process of a chosen generation. I wish you'd set your Bibles down. Let's lift our voices to the Lord in prayer one more time. Let's ask Him to anoint this house. Come on, lift up your voice in prayer just for a moment here. Hallelujah. 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 Uh, let's give him one more hand clap of praise before we're seated tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. I have a lot of ground to cover. I'm going to move fast. I hope you'll go with me. One other scripture, I wanted to get you seated, but you know this one as well, is Romans 12 and 1 that says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. From the young people under the sound of my voice to the very eldest in this room, I want to remind you tonight that you are indeed a chosen generation. I want to remind you that the Apostle Paul is not coming back to evangelize our world. But we're it. We are the generation upon the ends of the world has come. But I want to tell you definitively tonight, that not only are you a chosen generation, but I believe that you are in a chosen house of God. I need you to help me a little bit. We're going to just worship a little better than that about that. There's thousands of churches, but you're not just in any church. You're in a chosen church. God has got a revival that is ordained for this house. I believe that there are going to be people that rise up over the next two nights in a day that says, I want to be a part of the revival that God is going to pour out. I just want to start hot and tell you, I want the devil to know that we know we're chosen of God. We're in a chosen house and we're a chosen people. Hallelujah. We're not some church across the tracks. We're not some second class people. We're children of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We got the Holy Ghost. We got the anointed power of God. And we will have revival. Somebody lift up your voice and shout unto God. Hallelujah. Oh, lift it up just another second with me there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe there needs to be a generation that rises up in this hour that pushes the devil back. 
I believe that we need to get a little pushback in our spirit. Too many of us wounded and beat down and the devil's just running rampant through our minds and our spirits. I don't care if anything happens before I leave here this weekend, but I would to God that a miracle, a sign, and a wonder would be raised up and there would be healing in this house from every bit of brokenness, from every bit of wounding, from every bit of pain. I'm going to talk to you about the process in a moment, but I want to tell you you're chosen of God and you're not chosen to limp your way to glory. He wants you to go out of here in a blaze of glory. He wants you to be shouting and rejoicing and dancing and knowing who you are. Somebody praise Him with me right now. Hallelujah. I am not, I am not your pastor, nor would I try to usurp any authority or get out of line in any way. But I was sitting there reading through what I had written right before church tonight. I had just a moment there by myself. And I feel like the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said that over this house that there is a choice to be made. Not a choice of whether or not you're going to be apostolic. Your pastor has settled the doctrine issue. You say, Brother Wilkes, how do, how do you know you're not here? Well, I, I know by looking around. Sometimes we work on inspiration, sometimes information. Brother Hill has told me countless times, what a Bible teacher your pastor is. So the doctrine issue is settled. So I'm not here to say that's the choice to be made. But I'm going to tell you tonight, and I say it respectfully, it's not enough to come to a great church. You've got to let God make you be great. I want to be part of a great church, but I want to be all that I can be in the kingdom of God. I wish there'd be somebody to say, Preacher, I'm not what I need to be, but I'm on my way. I'm going to do everything that God's called me to do. I'm telling you, I'm tired of the devil lying to this generation that says you can't, you won't, you never will. I want the devil to hear me. Yes, we will. We will do what God's called us to do. Oh, lift up your voice and magnify Him. Doesn't matter tonight. From the pulpit to the back door, every one of us have a lie the devil's been telling us. Every one of us are battling something. Amen. Every one of us are dealing with something in our mind that stops us from being what God called us to be. But I believe we're taking a holy time out the next few moments together because I believe God is going to meet us. I, I'm, I'm not, I cannot force you to do anything, but I will tell you this. There's going to be some things that die on this altar tonight. There's going to be some things that are surrendered on this altar tonight. There's going to be some sins that are walked away from in this house tonight. There's going to be some spirits of the adversary that are silenced in your ears tonight. There's going to be something that grabs hold in this house tonight that says, I'm never going back. I can't go back. I've got to press toward the mark of the high calling of God. 
I wish somebody that's tired of being pushed around, I wish you'd jump up on your feet and say, I'm ready to be the child of God that He's called me to be. Somebody lift him up. Somebody lift up your voice and let the devil know the fight is about to be on. You're going to do what God has called you to do. Hallelujah. I can't even get off the first page. Y'all got me jazzed up, man. Whew. I believe absolutely that there are spiritual mantles resting over this sanctuary waiting for a place to fall, waiting for an individual that will step out from the mold and the ordinary and what everybody else is doing and say, I want to be used of God. If nobody wants to be used of God, I want a calling of God on my life. I don't mean... I don't mean to be ugly or rude, but we're getting to this place in time where we say, what do you want to do with your life? And Well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll go to Bible college or maybe I'll do this or I might take some leadership classes and I, I'd like to be in leadership in the church. But, and that's all good and wonderful for you to make up that decision. But whatever happened to the time when the calling of God would get on an individual? Can I tell you tonight, my daddy was a preacher, but that's not why I'm a preacher. I'm a preacher because when I was 15 years old at a camp meeting, God called me on the backside of that camp all by myself and said, I want your mouth, I want your hands, I want your feet, I've got a work for you to do. I'm wondering, is there anybody in here that wants a calling of God to get on you that will shake you and mold you and change your life forever? Come on, somebody lift up your voice. You gotta be hungry for it. You gotta be hungry. That happened when I was 15 years old. I'm 34 years old. I'd love to tell you life's been perfect since then. But it hadn't. I've had good days. I've had bad days. I've had some trouble others caused. I had some I called. I've had all kinds of things happen to me. And I'm going to tell you, me wanting to be a preacher wouldn't have got me through the first trial. But that calling of God's pulled me up out of the muck and the mire more times than I'd like to admit. When the devil came crashing in on my life, I was reminded I had a call. When everything around me seemed like it was going wrong, I was reminded I had a call. When everybody turned their back on me, I was reminded I've got a call. And I'm wondering, is there anybody in here that is hungry for a call of God on your life. Come on, let's lift up our hands and voices and hearts and praise. Come on, that's it. Let a cry go out in this house. We are 
a chosen generation. So that would mean a choice was made. But let us never forget it wasn't us that made the choice. But God has chose us. It's my opinion and estimation that God is desiring to commune with this generation like never before. I believe that God is desiring a connection with His people like never before. I believe that God is looking for hunger. There's never been a generation with more distractions than this generation. We are so distracted as a people that I walked in Brother Hill's house today with disclaimers for my message and said, now this is the only night I'm going to have a lot to say. So, so, so tell them, warn them, this is the only night because I know we're so distracted. Things are moving and flashing and calling and, and clamoring for us. Somewhere there's got to be a people that drown out the noise, block out the distractions, harmoniously tune our hearts back to God. And I believe that generation is in this house. There are only two things, I believe, that can really sever our connection to God. Here's a disclaimer. Will you bear with me for about ten minutes? The first thing young people and elder alike is sin. That's about the response I thought I'd get. <laughs> sin first enters the picture in Genesis 3. You see, darkness didn't stop God from moving. The earth being void and without form didn't stop God from moving. The absence of light didn't stop God from moving. But in Genesis 3, there is a divine stop. When Adam and Eve sinned, they severed their connection with God. And I know it's not popular. And I know you've grown a little quiet on me. But I'm telling you, it's still wrong to sin. I want to tell you tonight, darkness can't stop God from moving in your life. Trouble can't stop God from moving in your life. Trials can't stop God from moving in your life. Family situations can't stop God from moving in your life. But if you and I allow sin to reign in our mortal body, we will sever the connection between us and our Maker. Somebody lift up your voice to Him. God had created man in his own image. You know this. I'm not going to, to insult your spiritual intelligence, not even the young people here. He had created man in his own image to be his worshipers. The devil creeps down in the garden and he introduces sin. I'm going to tell you tonight, I know you know this, but I'm going to remind you, the devil is a robber. He is a thief. His ultimate goal is to rob God of worshipers. So to rob God of man's worship, 
He introduces sin into humanity. Genesis 3 tells us that when God comes down to worship, Adam and Eve hid themselves, as it were, from God. They had separated themselves from God. It brought immediate spiritual death in their life. Hear me tonight, young person. Sin is nasty. I know, and this is just the second time I've been here, but I sort of know what's expected of me when I go places. And I had a conversation over this message with God because I'd rather teach about something else, but remember what I said. Revival must be birthed at an altar. There is a spiritual elevation that is coming to this church. I believe it with everything in me. I believe people that's kind of retreated to the background are going to move back to the forefront and get involved in revival again. But it must start at an altar. Sin is nasty. It's vicious. The facts are nobody wants to hear preaching against it anymore. But I'm going to tell you tonight, I'll get better as the weekend goes on, but I'm going to raise up my voice against sin tonight. There's a choice to be made in this generation, and I'm not going to choose to live my life on a fence because there may be a windy day just like today was, and if I'm not careful, I'm going to be tossed to and fro. I'm going to set my anchor in the church. I'm going to set my anchor on the altar. I'm going to set my affections on things above. We need a generation that will die out at an altar. We need a church that will die out at an altar. Say, Pastor, you don't have to talk me into serving God. I'd rather have Jesus than anything in this world. I'd rather be holy and righteous and pure than anything. Come on, let's lift up our voices to Him. I'm telling you, there's a choice to be made in this generation. In this particular hour that we're living in, there is a choice that needs to be made. I'm going to tell you, we're not too many years. I'm a young man, 34. But I remember as a teenager, you couldn't sit through a convicting message. You couldn't wait till the man of God got done preaching. You couldn't get to that altar fast enough. I remember sitting there hearing my father preached. And I'm going to tell you, I was so scared to death that maybe God wouldn't even let him finish his message. I would make the pew in front of me an altar. All I knew is I didn't want to be lost. I wanted to please God. I wasn't going to wait till altar call. I had to get that junk out of me. And I'm telling you, church, repentance is still necessary in this hour. tell you how many years i'm not good at math though so 16 17 18 19 years ago is all that was when i was a teenager and started driving but i'm gonna tell you something when i started driving i didn't always listen to gospel music in my vehicle i'm just gonna confess that pray for me let me tell you something how much i feared god whether it was healthy or not i was always scared to death i was gonna wreck my vehicle with some ungodly music on that radio And the police would call my family out there to find my body. And there'd be something on that radio that wouldn't be pleasing to God. You say that's an unhealthy fear. It may have been unhealthy, but it kept me right. 
But can I tell you what 18, 19 years has brought? And even at times it creeps into my heart. Not, we don't have that fear that somebody's going to catch us listening to it. Now we have a knowledge that we can debate that it's really not that wrong. Don't worry. I'm not going to tiptoe into areas that are not my job. You've got a man of God. But I'm telling you, right, still right, and wrong, still wrong. And we don't need to debate with sin. We need to deal with it. Did you hear what I said? This is not the hour to debate with sin. We've got to deal with it. We've got to let it die at the altar. There's a revival to be had. There's souls that need saving. We've got to die out at the altar of God. Come on, somebody cry out to Him right now. We need You, Lord. We need You. Oh, lift up your voice just another second here. I'm telling you tonight, we need victory over sin in this hour. You may say, Brother Wilkes, you're awful audacious. Young man, walk up in here and preach like this. I'm going to tell you something. You may think I'm being audacious. I'm not being audacious. I'm convicted by God that I've only got one life to live. I've got to preach as a dying man to a dying generation that must have revival. Please, please don't take this personal. I mean this at large. Church at large. We're doing a real good job at putting the devil in a timeout. We get here on Sunday night, and they sing some of that music like they sung tonight. Great job, by the way, guys. Girls, excuse me. And we get to shouting, juking, jiving, busting a move, whatever you call it. And we get victory, don't we? We feel that power, and we feel that authority. And we put the devil in a timeout. Maybe you don't know what that means, but I'm raising three boys. I know all about timeout. The problem is, we put him in timeout only to be let loose again at a later date. I'm going to tell you that putting the devil in a timeout is not victory at all. It's temporary relief. And if there's anything in this world that people are hungry for, it's temporary relief. They'll put anything in their veins, in their bodies, in their spirit that'll give them a moment of relief. But I'm telling you, we weren't created to have temporary relief. We were created to have dominion. We were created to have victory. And I come to this house tonight for a total victory. For somebody to walk out of here and say, I'm never doing that again. I'm never talking that way. I'm never walking that way. I'm never living that way. I'm going to overcome what's been overcoming me. Come on, lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. I say this with love. I say this with love. But if you're over the age of youth group in here, don't you dare be sitting there tonight saying, Get them, preacher. Get them, preacher. I'm talking to every heart in this house. 
I'm doing it as humble as I know how. I know there's a devil that's calling and clamoring, but there is a God that is hungry for a generation that will rise up that says, I want righteousness. I want holiness. I want to be right with God. I'm telling some of you, you need to tear that phone number up. You need to get rid of that email. You need to get out of that chat room. You need to quit talking to that person. It's messing with your mind. It's messing with your soul. And God wants to bring a victory in your life. How? Oh, come on. If you got the Holy Ghost, I wish you'd throw your hands up in the air and say, God, if He's talking to me, would you deal with my soul? Come on, that's it. Lift up your voice for a few seconds here. You may say, preacher, I don't do that. I don't go there. I don't say those things. I don't watch this, do that, whatever you want to name. But I'm going to tell you what gets in our heart can sever our connection to God. Uh Uh-uh. I'm not going to move past that right there. I'm telling you, I don't want God to just purify the peripherals in my life. My heart is deceitful above all things. Brother, there's things get in my spirit sometime that are below the dignity of a saint of God. There's things that creep in our minds and things, issues between each other. And, I'm, and maybe I'm walking out where I shouldn't, but they'll reel me back in by tomorrow night. But I'm just telling you, you can't serve God and you cannot fulfill the promise over this generation if you don't settle what's in your heart. Aborts the process of the promise of God in your life. What sin are you talking about, preacher? I can't define that to you. I can't go down a list tonight that says this is okay. That's not what this night is about. But I'm going to tell you, if you got the Holy Ghost, you know what the sin is. Say, we didn't call you in here to clean everybody up, preacher. Well, if nothing else, join me at the altars in a little while and help me clean myself up. It's not possible for me to give you a list and hit everybody. But I'm going to tell you something, young people. This is for the young people. You got a man of God that can give you a list. You got leaders that can help you with that list. 
Well, I don't need that. I, I got this information age. Preacher, I, I look it up myself. Let me tell you something. Reverend Google can help you believe any delusion you want to believe. David was a chosen man. God appointed David, but it took Samuel to anoint him. What are you saying? I'm saying 2014, you still need a man of God. Amen. You still need a man of God to preach against sin. And when he does, that's a good time to drop him an email or a text and say, thank you for preaching tonight. I needed to hear that. When we preach on praise or when we preach on blessing or promise, we appreciate the compliment, but we don't really need it. It felt good to preach that. But when we make a stand against sin, even like I'm doing right now, the devil meets us. He gets in our face and says nobody wants to hear that. But I believe McCormick Creek is saying we want revival. We want to hear it. We want to not abort the process, but we want to do what God is calling us to do. Come on, let's praise Him together. I know you've heard it, young people. I know, I know you've heard it, elders, but I'm going to say it again. Sin will take you further than you wanted to go. It'll keep you longer than you wanted to stay. And it'll always cost you much more than you were ever willing to pay. Somebody needs to hear me in this hour. There is no safe place in sin. We need victory in our lives. We need victory over the devil. We need victory over the world. And we need victory over our flesh. We need victory in our body. We need victory in our spirit, and we need victory in our mind. We need victory in our desires. We need victory in our emotions, and we need victory in our actions. It is time for the greater is he that's in me to actually become the greater is he that's in me. Come on, do you still believe that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world? We better die out to this world. We better let the power of the Holy Ghost rise to the top in our lives. You know what? Somebody that's been wrestling with something, if you've been battling something, you ought to lift up your voice right now and say, Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Come on, let's praise Him. Let's praise Him. Let me share something. Let me share something with you, buddy. I heard this from somebody else, so I can't take credit, but it's, it's, it's the Word. I'm actually quoting that Scripture wrong. What it says is, Greater is He that is in me. Individual. One person. Greater is He that is in me than he that is in the whole world. We're trying to guess whether the kingdom of God can defeat the world. That scripture says greater is he 
that is in Anthony. That is in Anthony. Greater is he that is in Greg than he that's in the whole world. I'm telling you, devil, your kingdom is coming down. Devil, your kingdom is coming down. You know it would break loose a revival right now if one young person or one elder would say, devil, it's over. It's over. I'm done. I'm through. I'm walking away. I will have the victory. Come on, lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Could we take ten seconds and just pray right here? Let me just do just a few things right here and I'll get out of the way. I believe God wants to speak to us. Romans 6 and 12. Young people, read this. Get it in your heart. You are a chosen generation. So do not forget. The Bible says, Let not sin therefore reign. (laughs) We got way too many people in our churches that got sin that's not just passing through, but it has taken rain in their lives. And I'm not trying to get you pumped up. You seem pretty pumped up. But I hear the cracking. I hear the popping of chains breaking out of lives of somebody saying, I'm not going to be under the spell, under the control, under the domination of that devil one more day. What are you saying? I'm saying somebody's going home different. Somebody's going home and they're never going back to the websites they used to go to. They're never going to have the kind of talk they used to have. They're going to go back and they are living a different life. That addiction has been broken. That chain has been broken. It doesn't have a hold on you anymore. I wish somebody would say, I need it. I wish somebody would say, I want it. I wish somebody would say, I'm tired of the dance with the devil. I'm going to get that victory. Come on, somebody praise him. Somebody praise him. Come on, lift your hands and worship him. Huh?
I really, I really can't see that clock, but I, I need just, just five minutes, and I, I'll stick to that. But I need it. Because I, I, I got to tell you what I feel the Holy Ghost spoke to me was the greatest hindrance in this hour. I'll skip the lengthy reading, but hear me when I tell you tonight, I believe it is found in the story of Cain and Abel. One was willing to bring an acceptable sacrifice. But one made a choice to give what he thought would work. His sin was not going somewhere he shouldn't. His sin, Brother Adam, was partial sacrifice. He gave God a partial sacrifice based upon what his own senses thought was acceptable. The spirit of this world is shouting to this generation. Just do what you want to do. Just do what you feel good about. If ever there was an untoward generation, it's now. Just do enough for the church to feel better about yourself. But don't get all the way involved. Give a partial And I'm going to tell you, God's not looking for partial sacrifice. I beseech you, therefore, brother, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable. One translation says it's the least that you can do. Huh. God's not looking for partial McCormick's Creek. He wants it all. Abraham and I close. God calls out to Abraham. Watch this. You go home and read it in, from our text tonight. He says, Abraham. And then Abraham waited till a better day, waited till it was more convenient, waited till he felt like it. No. When God called, Abraham said, Here I am. We are dealing in the kingdom of God with a major shortage of availability. Abraham says, here I am. You know the story. We read it. He says, take your son. Take your promised son. Take him to the mountain. Because I don't want a partial sacrifice, Abraham. I want it all. 
I believe, and this is just one man's opinion, but I believe the Abraham generation is the generation that has went before me. Maybe, Pastor, your generation. It's men that when there was no oneness preachers, they started preaching oneness. It's men that when, when nobody was preaching holiness, it's men that still stood a line and drew a line and said, this is what we are. Those Abrahams that came out from everything. And now our generation is here and we like to debate whether or not they were right on certain things. And I'm going to hear tell you, I don't know if they were right on everything, but they were coming out of a world that was wanting to destroy them and all they knew is we've got to leave it all on the altar. But I believe that Abraham generation did what Abraham was asked to do. Bible commentaries will tell you that Isaac was somewhere between 12, 13, 14 years old. I've got a 12-year-old. He couldn't beat me up. But I also probably couldn't hold him down on an altar. Abraham, that generation, if it wasn't for those trailblazers, this 34-year-old wouldn't have a gospel to preach. But the process of this generation is are there some Isaacs that are willing to say, Abraham, I don't understand everything. And I don't know. I see the wood. I see the oneness. I see the baptism. But, but, but Pastor, why can't we do this? And why can't we do that? No. Isaac just said, when Abraham called to Isaac, just as Abraham had done, Isaac said, here I am. We have got to the day of revival. And we're at the bottom of the mountain debating whether or not we want to go. But I believe God had me here tonight to call some Isaacs out of this crowd. You want to be used of God? It's going to cost you something. You're going to have it come out from among some people. But are there any Isaacs in this house that will say, I'm not going to let sin hold me back. I'm not going to let self hold me back. You don't have to put any horns on my altar and tie me down. I'm going to lay on that altar. I'm going to die out to the purpose of God in me. I don't care how it feels. I don't care what I think about it. I don't care what the emotions of the day are. I will lay on this altar till God's process is through. In me. Is there anybody will join us up here tonight? As the musicians begin to sing all over this house. Surely there's more than just young people here tonight that need to let some things die out. If nothing else, elders, why don't you make the pew in front of you an altar? There's a revival to be had.
Ha ha ha, yalla bo shato yalla bahai.